Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. DMV, it's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I am your TV guide, Brett White, and this week I am joined by the host of the Fuzzy Typewriter podcast, Mr. Paul Montgomery. Hello, Paul. Hey, hey, Brett. This is wild. <laughs> this is a great set you've got here. Yeah. Um, it's too bad nobody can see it because this is an audio podcast, but you put a lot of work into this. No, it's a recreation of the first match game set, the 72 to 78 set, I do believe. Yeah, yeah. The one that looks a lot more like a weird orange Planet of the Apes backdrop with like weird fake rock looking stuff. Not the one with the. a little bit. It's not the one that looks like a Confederate flag. Yes. That, <laughs> Just what the second I'm one I'm glad like. I'm not the only one who noticed that about it. Yeah, you see a lot of screen caps of Match Game. Yeah. Um, this is I'm, this is a very relatable anecdote for a lot of people out there listening, but maybe for listeners of this show. But yeah, it totally looks like the Confederate flag, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so but this week we're not talking about anything uncomfortable. This week we are traveling to September 25th, 1979. Apocalypse Now ruled the box office. My Sharona by the Knack topped the charts, and Taxi <laughs> aired Reverend Jim, A Space Odyssey. Paul, you must have seen Reverend Jim, A Space Odyssey before. Uh, not when it first aired. I, I did not exist. Neither of us but, existed. But I have seen it many a time, and it is a this is a classic episode, not just of Taxi, but of sitcoms yes. in general. So I'm very honored to get to talk about this, which is a showpiece for one of my favorite sitcom characters of all time. Right on. Yeah. I mean, you are, is Taxi your favorite sitcom? I would, I would say Cheers is probably my favorite overall sitcom, but um, I have a lot of love for Taxi. I think it's, um, I think it's a bit of an underdog and that makes sense because it's about underdogs. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> and I, but I, but I, but I do think it deserves more cred than it gets. Uh, it's a really cool show. Uh, very funny. Um, but also a great, uh, great strain of, uh, of melancholy that mm-hmm. runs throughout. Um, it's, it actually is a, a very sad kind of show. Uh, 
sometimes and i like the audaciousness of that that right. it allows things to be dirty and grimy and it's kind of the i don't know anti-friends uh in a way i won't say yeah. anti-seinfeld seinfeld no. seinfeld feels very polished but they're awful people right you know, these are good like, people where bad things happen to them or <laughs> taxi is yeah these are these are good or at least you know well-meaning big-hearted people for the most part maybe not louis but you know uh, definitely not it, they're, they're a bunch of ragamuffins, and I love them. <laughs> Where did you first uh, see Taxi? Oh, gosh. I guess I guess it must have been on Nick at Night. Yes, yeah. Um, that's me. But, I mean, I we were those kids who were obsessed with Nick at Night. I had the, the book that had just, like, the complete episode guide to all the different shows, like Ooh. Welcome Back, Otter, and I Love Lucy. And um, I, th- that book was very well loved and oh, read. And, I'm jealous. Um, I, I miss having that book. Um, it's on but, eBay because I've definitely I've run across it because I was I was doing a hunt for uh, TV or um, Nick at Night enamel pins. Sure. Uh, because I they, they did make some. Uh, I think there is a Mary Tyler Moore one that's really cool, but it was like way too expensive, and I didn't buy it. <laughs> well, you point you pointed me to my my Cheers pin. You got the better one, but I got a really good Cheers lapel pin, and it's from I've... the '80s too, right? <laughs> Um, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. I assume my, mine's a mine's a uh, beer stein with the Cheers logo in it. Yeah, mine's probably, maybe it could be early '90s. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not not sure on the pedigree of it, but it was probably from one of those um, pop up Cheers like Cheers alike bars yeah. <laughs> that they had back then, based on the popularity of Cheers. But yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I I love Nick at Night, and so. Um, Back then, things like this and Welcome Back, Cotter, I just I loved how grimy they were. Um, it just had a very different feeling than anything that was on TV at the time. And amazing if you love characters and ensembles um, and just really interesting character dynamics. And if you get you know multiple seasons out of it, you have these great combinations of different personalities and we're going to see a lot of that in this episode. Definitely. Yeah. I also came to taxi through Nick at night, which I think is, it's definitely the gateway, the portal through which our generation fell, Uh, which I think is very fascinating because we grew up very aware of history because of that. Like I, in addition to intaking new, like Clarissa explains it all and friends and other mm-hmm. new stuff, you're also taking in, I love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke and Mary Teller Moore and taxi and cheers, like all simultaneously. So you're getting an interesting cross section of television across the decades. And uh, even if you take, if you take the full spectrum of Nickelodeon, even during the daytime, we right. got like classic Looney tunes and mm-hmm. stuff, which, uh, you know, there's so much more choice now uh, back then, you would, you know, watch Looney Tunes, even if it was like a really uncomfortable Speedy Gonzalez episode oh, or, God, yeah. you know, not some of your favorite characters. Like, oh, great. It's one of the old Porky Pig ones. Or those oh, are yeah. weird. Or like um, the ones where Daffy Duck is actually Daffy and not just an asshole. Right. Like, or the ones that are like, here's insane. how to live life in the 50s, which I always loved those. Like, here's what yeah. the wife does while her husband's, you know, away at work. And it's her going to like the bank and getting a rolling pin and stuff like that. And it's. It's weird that we grew up being also taught about things that were already were like anachronisms by the time we through, were through that through that very interesting lens, you know, yeah. of like very very warped and stuff. And um, I just remember, like, I mean, even back then they had like stuff like Animaniacs and stuff, which is a little bit later. But like, um, being able to understand references or kind of half understand like Lon Chaney and things <laughs> like, exactly. Or like, you know, when they bring in really scrawny Frank Sinatra yeah. um, into those old 
like Looney Tunes or whatever, and everybody starts fawning in the audience, and you get the bobby soxers and stuff. And like I was, you know, like ten or eleven years old, and I knew what a bobby soxer was. Yeah. And like that's you know kids so these it, days don't understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this week. Um, so yeah, this week on Must Have Seen TV, we are talking about the Taxi episode, Reverend Jim: A Space Odyssey. This is the third episode of season two. It was written by Glenn and Les Charles and directed by James Burroughs. And here is how Wikipedia describes the episode. The cabbies meet Reverend Jim at a restaurant and get him a job as a cab driver. Jim then spreads his special brand of reality around the garage. Paul, is that accurate? <laughs> that's that's pretty much what happens. Um, maybe not in that order. Um, his special but, brand yeah. of magic. Special brand of magic. I, uh, Reverend Jim is magic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I did want to bring up that I had to go to, usually for this, I try and find like the Netflix description or the Hulu description or the iTunes description or like push comes to shove the description in the DVD box. For this, mm-hmm. I had to go to Wikipedia because while Taxi is streaming on Hulu and CBS All Access, only about like 70 episodes of the 110 or so episode run are available. And it's not just like, you know, the first three seasons are there and nothing else. It's just a Swiss cheese collection. And for some reason, this one, the definitive episode of Taxi, one of the greatest episodes of sitcom of all time, mm-hmm. isn't included. Which is a shame. <laughs> a it is. A damn shame. So that's my gripe against uh, whoever is holding their taxi episodes hostage for them. I guess for their, I guess for them, sweet DVD box set money, which I had to pony up for so I could watch every episode. I already owned the the box set. I had to I had to go dig in for season two. For some reason, that wasn't with the other ones, but I I did find it. Here, here's the IMDb description. Ooh which is even more shoehorned. The guys run into Reverend Jim and try to get him a job, but first they have to convince Louie to hire him and help him pass the exam. Okay, that's, I mean, that's more information. Pretty succinct. The less magic, but the magic should be implied because it says quite clearly Reverend Jim right. in this first <laughs> sentence. Yeah, so this episode is the one where Christopher Lloyd joins the cast full time. Uh, there was a bit of a cast shakeup after season one. Uh, because Randall Carver, who played, what was his name? I For some reason, I can remember the actor's name, but not the character. Tom. He's super forgettable. Yeah, that's he's, like, like, yeah. he's like the kind of Doctor Who villain where when you turn around, you forget that you even saw them in the first place. Right. Um, Petey? No. <laughs> I don't know. Randall Alex? Carver. No, that's, no Alex no, is Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. No, yeah. um, that's uh, Jeff. Maybe it's Jeff. Oh, it might be Jeff. We'll just call him... Je- no, Jeff is the guy that's in Louis' cage with him. That's true. Okay. Who also appears on an episode of Cheers. Okay, I'm Googling Randall Carver Taxi. Uh... <laughs> Do you remember when Jeff appears on Cheers, though? No. It's the uh, Halloween episode. He played John Burns... John Burns. Jeez, I should know that because it's so close to one of my favorite artists of all time, John Byrne. What's my problem? Uh, wait, who was he? Was on the this is the Halloween episode, the one where Cliff gets a date? Yeah. Oh, that one breaks my heart, and I'm obviously paying attention to Cliff in that episode. Ugh. Um. Yeah. So, Taxi undergoes a cast change after season one. John Burns just disappears. He. 
mm-hmm. joins the episode. Like him and Elaine Nardo, played by Marilu Henner, are the entry point characters in the pilot episode. Like they both become taxi drivers there. Yeah, they're basically like little orphans who've come to New York. Right. And the problem with John's character is that Alex is already there. Right. Alex is the most, you know, milk toast like every man that you can get and is really likable. Right. Um, the only thing that sort of distinguishes John is that he's he's boring and milk toast, but he's also <laughs> like super innocent. Yeah. And that the, they also throw in this idea that he takes big risks. Right. That's the thing that I noticed when I was rewatching it of like if I was the showrunner of Taxi or on the writing staff, I'd be like, that's his character game. Like he's not the straight man. He's the guy that will be like changing his hairstyle every week to match, you know, a person he picked up in his cab or he'll be joining different cults, you know, random points of the season. Like there's so many things he could have done because he gets a job as a taxi driver after just like getting stuck in the dispatcher's uh, garage. And then he like spur of the moment gets married midway through the season. Right. Like that's his character. And it seems like they never latched onto that because that's a fun game to play that they just never got yeah, and sort of I think that um, what probably took them by surprise was, uh, you know, Latka um, wasn't just a curiosity, but was also really kind of sweet and innocent. Right. Um, and this was, this, was, this was something that um, I sort of jotted down that I wanted to talk about with, uh, with Reverend Jim coming in, is that I do see there's a definite distinction between Jim and Latka, even though they're both kind of oddball characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Jim, Reverend Jim is actually a much sweeter character, even if he is a burnout and uh, not as, you know, bubbly and cute as Latka is. But if you actually boil down Latka, um, there's some kind of sinister stuff going on there because yeah. he's not he's not as innocent as he lets on and he can be kind of lecherous and right. Uh, and cruel. He's in, only in some sweet ways. because he doesn't speak the language in a way. Like he right. also because the the language. Wait, what country is he from? He's from the old country. Oh, did they never name it? Oh, but like his old his language is just cute. I mean, it's just like ebi dat. Like it's so like baby right. talk. Right. So of course he's like sweet and adorable is because he's always talking that way. But mm. uh. What's funny is, like, you know, this episode is the introduction to Reverend Jim, except we did meet him in season one because he's Reverend Jim because he's the reverend they get to arrange, like, Latka's green card marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's this episode is so fascinating because it's truly, more so than maybe any other show I've ever seen, it's really an introduction to the show. It's very much like... They take the, they like bring this character in, they remind you who he is, and then they kind of like handhold you and they like went to every home watching and was like, Hi, this is Jim, he's on the show now. Like it's Yeah, it's, it's, it's very like, much a, a show and tell kind of episode where they yeah. like they basically they they feed him, you know, lines that he can, you know, retort. And it's uh, he's a he's a, a crosstalk joke machine, and that's one of the reasons it's a really funny episode is because he just very flatly can give you you know a one liner or the you know the layup on a yeah. joke that you know Elaine tosses him or you know or Bobby or or whatever. And there's so many great exchanges in this just like 22 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, it's he is also such a great addition to the cast. I did I'd like to start off. We should go through who is in this cast because it is 
maybe. I mean, I would, I would say like this and news radio are two of the most, you know, character like actor for actor heavy hitter heavy shows of all time. Taxi's mm-hmm. definitely like you know Judd Hirsch is the lead. Judd Hirsch uh, is in a sitcom now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's on Superior Donuts at the age of like in his mid eighties and is still basically the exact same as he was forty years ago. It's fantastic. It's so natural. Yeah. Second build, which I noticed, is Jeff Conaway, mm-hmm. who was coming off of being in Greece, which yep. was a huge movie. Mm-hmm. And he's playing Bobby Wheeler, an actor. Uh, then after that, you have Mary Lou Henner playing Elaine Nardo, who goes on to be in Evening Shade, which I like always bringing up as a obscure yeah. 90s sitcom, but it lasted no. four seasons. My, my dad was a huge Evening Shade fan, so we had a lot of VHS tapes of Cheers and uh, Evening Shade. And <laughs> well, like, I would, so store-bought or homemade? Homemade. Oh, nice. Taped, taped off the TV. So some of them had, like, the commercials in it. Some of them he remembered to hit pause between, you know, commercial breaks and stuff. But, you know, Nub <laughs> with, the, with the wagon. Evening oh, yeah. Shade, man. Ponder. Good stuff. <laughs> some some great characters. Uh, also on this show is Charles Tony... Durning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Danza playing Tony Banta, mm-hmm. who is, I mean, the same character. But like Tony Danza went on to play, you know, he's who's the boss? He's Tony Danza, like you know, he's um in uh, Don Juan. He's J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt's dad. This is the most <laughs> recent place I've seen Tony Danza. <laughs> he's essentially he's um he's an amateur boxer, and again, we've mentioned that it's so sort of grimy, and everybody's kind of an underdog. Like in this series. He's, you know, a boxer and he wins some fights and stuff. And that's even a, a partially the intro to this episode is yeah. they're coming back from a, a victory. Um, the, the guy, the, his opponent actually tripped on the ropes getting in and knocked himself out. And so Tony won by default. Um, but he's basically playing like, a, you know, a second rate Rocky. Yeah. And if you think of, you know, Rocky as the ultimate underdog, think of under him, like an underdog <laughs> under Rocky, because in this series, he actually finds out that he's not really that talented a boxer and he has to stop. Yeah. And figure out like, oh, what's, you know, my life really about? Um, Same thing I, also kind of happens to Jeff Conaway's, but to Bobby Wheeler when he leaves the show, like to go be on a soap opera, but then like loses his job before he moves or whatever. Yeah. This show is filled with people like, who are there like just working as taxi drivers while they fulfill their dream and their, their dream keeps being like, uh, you're a taxi driver, which is, yeah. And, uh, so Mary Lou Henner's character, Elaine Nardo, one of the great Elaine O'Connor Nardo, one of the great character names, um, is, uh, an art dealer or she wants to be in the, in the fine art world. And there's a lot of episodes centered around that, her trying to impress her boss, things like that. The shades of sort of Rebecca from Cheers, but maybe not as uh, bloodthirsty as and Rebecca. And also like a lot more likable and confident. I have, I don't like Rebecca from Cheers. <laughs> I'll definitely no, Rebe- get into no, that Rebecca, when we get to. <laughs> yeah. um, then there's also uh, Danny DeVito as Louis De Palma. Basically, I mean, like he's, this is the Danny DeVito-iest role. Yeah. Up until, I mean, like the, the crazy thing I realize is he has now played Frank Reynolds on It's Always Sunny for a longer for more episodes than he was in Taxi. Sure. Yeah. Which is blows my mind that now Taxi is his second longest running show. But also the fact that he's had two shows where he's played the same character for over 110 episodes. But I mean, anytime I see someone with, you know, like a gray vest over a pink shirt. Right. Like it's just it's the perfect costume. Um it's, it's such it, a costume too. Like it's 
it's basically a cartoon character because yeah. he wears the same thing pretty much a hundred percent of the time, uh, there, unless he's like naked or something or in his underwear. Or <laughs> which the, um, and I just got the flash of that. It's always sunny episode where he births himself out of a leather couch naked. Yes. Anyway, yes. <laughs> um, then there's also uh, Andy Kaufman as Latka Gravis, uh, and I tweeted a while ago about how I've never seen a show bend over backwards to accommodate a performer as much as taxi does with Andy Kaufman (sighs) totally makes sense because he was like one of the most popular comedians at the time that this started. Uh, and you know, underground sensation avant-garde it's when you look at his other career moves of like pissing off wrestlers as part of a larger scheme or whatever, singing yeah. Mighty Mouse, but only lip-syncing the chorus during SNL. It's weird to be like, oh, and he also was a sitcom character. But mm-hmm. they only got him for, like, 16 episodes a season. That was part of his contract. Uh, and he would do, like, more if, you know, he felt like it or if they needed him to. Like, it wasn't... I don't think it was contentious. But it's still, like, he was never contracted to be, like, in every episode. Which He's, I, like, the Charlie Sheen of his day, but much more talented and yeah, avant-garde. Likeable, yeah, <laughs> uh, And then also the fact that, you know, in season, what, four, when I guess Andy Kaufman was, like, just getting an itch, they're like, oh, okay, like a uh, multiple personality disorder. <laughs> mm. And he just like, starts playing all these different characters. And uh, my friend Pat Bayer pointed out online that the only other time this has happened is, like, on Family Matters when Jaleel White was like, I want to start playing you know, cool characters, and they invented Stefan right. Urkel, which I think this is the only thing that Jaleel White and Andy Kaufman have in common. Uh, yeah. Probably, think, right? That sounds about right. I don't know. That's my, and he's great. Of course, like, yeah, bend over backwards to accommodate him because he's great, and he brings a really kooky vibe to the show. Yeah, the only, the only, you know, uh, modern day comparison that I could think of, and it's probably not an ego thing, it's totally a story thing, is Tom Cavanaugh on The Flash because, yeah. you know, he gets to play a different character basically every season and sometimes multiple characters per season. And that's based on the, you know, multiverse idea of it. But, um, and that's, I, I, I love that stuff. Um, here, it definitely feels more indulgent and it feels like this is where we need to pacify this guy yeah. and, keep him interested and entertained it does go away in season five like once they marry him once carol kane comes on in season five or into four full time that all kind of goes away and i wonder if it's because like oh cool now i have like another person doing my character like we have scenes together we have actual meat in our stories like right and i carol kane is amazing and she i mean can you can you imagine uh, anyone else um you know larger than life enough you know, to play, and and for anyone who's confused, we did mention that Laka gets married in the previous season. Yeah, <laughs> but that's two. That's a that's a one off, just so he can get his green card. Yeah, and so that's not Simka. Simka comes later. Right, and then marrying them, joining the cast in this episode is Jim Ignatowski, Reverend Jim, the space odyssey himself, Christopher fucking Lloyd on a show. Five uh, years before Back to the Future. Yeah, is this just five years? This is one of his first. Things I would say. I mean, it's 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 also it's also always been weird to me that he does this and then he goes on to do that little bit part in Cheers. Right. It's also it's crazy. And he's so unlikable in that role where he's so <laughs> likable here. It's it's he's also a fascinating person because he is. We we were both born like we were both born in eighty four, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So like. 
people our age, he is such an integral part of our childhoods mm-hmm. as as Jim Ignatowski on Taxi on Nick at Night and then Back to the Future, which those VHS tapes I wore out as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then also Uncle Fester. <laughs> like Uncle those... Fester, who, who framed Roger Rabbit. Clue! <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can't think of many actors that have that are as big a deal as he is, but you don't think of that often. Or what, for other, some... what other regular role did he have on a sitcom? Can you think of one? I don't think he ever did, did he? Yep. Wait, what? Pamela Anderson's oh, stat about uh... working at a bookstore. <laughs> Which was in like the mid-90s, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think I did watch that. That's Which my dad owns on DVD. So this is... uh, Yeah... You would you would never put Andy Kaufman and Jaleel White together, and you would never put Christopher Lloyd and Pamela Anderson together. But yet, here we are. There you go. That's what happens in the nineties. <laughs> so this episode starts out like we said with them going into their like regular hangout bar, which is why I wanted to bring up like this is kind of a proto Cheers. Like it's sure Mario's. Ta- yeah, bar. Uh, the t- the taxi creators Glenn and Les Charles wrote this episode. Um, I think they were also co creators of. Taxi uh, got their start as writers on the Bob Newhart show mm-hmm. lineage. Uh, and this episode <laughs> was directed by James Burroughs, who was also like the cheers director. So it's interesting to see, like to watch this and compare the two shows, which can you like, what would you, sure. how would you compare them? I mean, it's, it's, it's found family. It's yeah. one of my favorite themes. It's, it's what links so many of the things that I love is just oddballs coming together and sometimes, you know, pinballing back and forth and um, not getting along. But in the end, they come together and have this special bond. Um, this is it. I mean, also, I mean, Cheers is um, these schlubs showing up at this place, sort of like washing up on this desert island um, because no one nowhere else would accept them or yeah. they don't feel accepted anywhere else. Um, and. This is that, but as a job. Um, so, I mean, one is basically, a, you know, um, an after work show. Uh, for some of them, it is their job, of course, the bartenders at Cheers. Uh, but then for, for Taxi, this is this is where they work, but they never feel, uh, unless you're Alex. Yeah. No one really accepts that this is their career, that this is their vocation. This is just something that they're doing in between gigs. Um and I love all of it. You know, it's such a time capsule because you get you get Bobby picking up the phone. I mean, there's pay phones for one thing, but then also like <laughs> calling his answering service. Right. Like to see if he's got any messages, um, you know, and like all the stuff with with green cards. And I don't know. This episode also doesn't explain how Jim gets his driver's license, except to say yeah, that like. The standards aren't aren't there, and they really do kind of fudge their way through him getting a you know accepted. You know he doesn't have a job interview really. He just yeah. gets Louis stoned by accident. <laughs> Which because they we need Christopher Lloyd to join this show. So by hook or by crook, we're making it happen. Um. So yeah, the Which first I'm fine with of course because like, I don't need the machinations of it. This isn't <laughs> as much as I love Frasier. That stuff works there. Frasier is all about machinations and getting and all the like. Um, uh, you know, I, I, when I think about Fraser, I think about um, like a hallway with a bunch of doors, right? And then people going into either door, 
And I mean, they've had episodes like that, like the one where they go to the cabin where people right. go yeah, into yeah. the wrong room or whatever. And it's all about misunderstandings, whereas Taxi is kind of a lot more easygoing. Yeah, this episode's flow is very interesting, too, because it's just three scenes. Um, the first scene is them just at Pretty the bar. <laughs> Uh, and that's where they like see Jim. They have to reintroduce themselves to Jim multiple times. And then mm -hmm. you get kind of a monologue from Jim. He says that he is the... I am the living embodiment of the 60s. Exactly what he is. Like he like says it. Like it's one of the first things he says in this episode. And it's like, yeah, that's that's him. Um, and then it's, I, I don't know what... I don't remember exactly what figure they use in the script. But looking it up afterwards, just remind myself, I think there were 400,000 people that supposedly were at Woodstock. And so, like, the joke <laughs> is sort of like... Half a million people. Hey, you know... If I hadn't been there, there'd only have been 400,999 and 999 people. <laughs> Lucky yeah. thing for them, I went. <laughs> that sums up Jim really well, is that he's fine just being one amongst the crowd. And he also... He's a, he's a very spectacular person, and right. everyone knows he's so special and celebrates him. That's why they kind of want to get him this job and stuff. It's not just that they look that they, they feel pity for him, but they also realize that there's something really special about this guy. And he's kind of like this, this puppy that they want, you know, like, can we keep him? And, um, so there's a little bit of that, but then also there's this, I don't know, this like emergence quality to Jim where it's like, I'm part of the cosmos. And even if that makes me really, really small, like even if I'm just a tiny part it. of this, he's so happy. He celebrates that because that's, that's everything. One of the, I make up part of this. I contribute to that. One of the best moments, I think like this episode is filled with so many definitive moments that we're going to get to. But I think for me, the definitive moment that really nails who Jim is as a character and shows you why he is special and also is like really powerful is when he's like, I was, you know, I even protested that crummy war. I marched and protested against that crummy war. Is that so? Pardon me? Hey, hey Tony. No, I got something to say, Alex. You know, the only reason why guys like you got to stay home, protest, and get loaded is because guys like me were over in Nam doing your fighting for you. What do you say to that? Thank you. <laughs> and it isn't sarcasm. It isn't snarky. It is it's so just, it's simple, like simple, straightforward, and genuine of like, thank you. That's what I say. Like, yeah, I it's, protest, it's very, and also very, thank you. Very straightforward and casual without being flippant. Right. Um, it's it's just yeah. Thank you. And it's um, so and it's so direct too. And it immediately calms Tony down because you know like he's had this argument before. He's gotten you know, Vietnam vets did not have it easy when they came back. So you know yeah. that this is something. Alex has probably seen him do this a bunch of times before too. And so to you know you think like Jim might be the first person that's actually said like thank you to him mm -hmm. after getting yelled at. <laughs> It's great watching Tony throughout this episode um, because even when they get to, you know, when they get to the, the Sunshine Cab Company and when they get to the DMV, he's still kind of like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. Why are we doing this? But then, like, and part of this is breaking the fourth wall a little bit because they – the actors got each other laughing on yeah, the he's, set. He is 100% just laughing blatantly he's in the DMV. He's just laughing. Like, that. that is... Which is both you know, in that's, character. That's Tony Danza and, you know, <laughs> Tony, also Banta Tony Banta laughing <laughs> at the same time. But, like, he, like Jim wins him over. Um, but that, that's, that's one of the things I love about the chemistry about this. As simple as this is, and as much as it's basically just a showcase for the Reverend Jim character and for Christopher Lloyd as an actor, um, I think 
they do a lot of interesting character things like that moment you were talking about with Alex trying to calm Tony down. Like he's the ultimate like go between. He just wants everybody to get along. He's a very, very reluctantly sort of the diplomat of the group. Yeah. Um, he's able to talk to just about anybody and he's the most articulate of them. Um, even though he's very much resigned himself to just, I'm a cab driver. That's, that, that's who I am. That's everything about me. But you can also tell that there's maybe some wasted potential there, um, that he could maybe do, you know, bigger and better things, um, like, you know, br bringing people together. Um, but at least in this sort of microcosm, that's that's his role in this in this group of friends. Right. Um, but but I just I love that how they just rally around Jim, and even Tony in the end. Um, and uh, there are future episodes where there's a lot of great interplay between uh, between Jim and Louie. And we get a little tease of that. Yeah. With Moonlight Bay. The scene, the second, the second of three scenes in this episode mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, takes place at the Sunshine Cab Company when they come back. And Louis in the middle of like assigning out all the taxis. And that's, I guess, when he is like out for blood the most. Because he's like yelling at people like, if you like, if you're late again, you're out. Like, he's so angry. Um, and they like, well, we have to, you know, get him on board with having Jim work here. And they look over and Jim, while Louis's back is turned, is putting something in Louis's coffee. And he's like, it's either a chiclet or tranquilizer. I don't know. Turns out it's mm -hmm. a tranquilizer. What do you make of Jim doing that? Because I, that's the one thing where I'm like, leads to great comedy, so maybe I shouldn't question it. But I'm also like, what is the motivation for Jim to put something in Louis's coffee? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's hard to say with with Reverend Jim. Maybe he's confused. <laughs> maybe he thinks it's his coffee, and he's going to have that later. Um, he's lost in the moment. Uh, Reverend Jim exists on several different planes of existence. Um, <laughs> and, this is and an his, odyssey, yeah. Is, is interdimensional. Um, but you can also look at, I, I don't think it's mercenary in terms of I'm going to get this guy, you know, stoned. So he'll yeah. agree to anything so he can be more, you know, pliant. Jim pliable. has no idea that's going on. Like Jim yeah, probably I, doesn't even remember that they're there to get him a job. Yeah. If, if anything, he's like, this guy could stand to relax a little bit. And so I'm going to help him out a little bit by, putting you know putting this in his coffee right. and that's as mercenary as it could possibly get but it's more likely that he's just i think this is my coffee i'm going i'm i'm used to putting things in other things <laughs> it's a liquid things go in liquids exactly. <laughs> this i one of the things that i noticed on my rewatch um because i rewatched all of season one really quickly and the show wasn't clicking for me for like the first 18 or so episodes and then i realized what Jones. happens? There's something <laughs> around episode 18. There's a scene where Alex gets mad at Louie and then like chases him throughout the garage and like picks yes. him up and like hooks him onto a something and like they hoist him up. And that was like, oh, that's what this show is. That's what I've been missing. And that's what I know it's going to become is Taxi is one of the great physical comedy shows of all time. Sure. And I don't think that it gets that recognition. And in this episode, when Danny DeVito has to play tranked out Louie, it comes alive for, you know, for Louie, for Danny DeVito. Like, he sells it so hard. The way that he falls asleep on the mic 
and like it like droops. And then when he goes out and performs Moonlight Bay, and then he like just walks on taxi cabs. It's all so well choreographed, and that that the way they play with space on this show is so great. Uh, and so I'm glad this, that we got to talk about that. This is a very Broadway sort of show. Yeah, um, they they love like the characters love Broadway. Obviously, Bobby's trying to get into different things, like not just commercials and movies, but also into plays and things like that. Uh, you know, a lot like uh, Joey, I guess, on Friends. Right. Um, they're very similar characters, actually. Well, it's like if um, Tony and Bobby Wheeler had a baby. Yes, it's yeah, Joey exactly. Tribbiani. <laughs> exactly. That maybe that was the pitch, but um, that 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 yeah, that's. That's spot on, but uh, but yeah, they th- constantly they're they're referencing you know Sondheim songs. There's a there's a bit where, you know, Alex does a bit from uh, Company, I believe, later on yeah. um, in at Mario's. Um, oh, there's a full on Broadway number in like one of the dream there's Broadway sequences numbers. Where they're like yeah, they're, all in tuxedos and yeah. And the the one thing that's interesting, you know, the stuff with uh, with Louis on the cab, um, they make such great use of his size, but also yeah. his, his, his physicality. Now, obviously you, you mentioned the bit where he's, where he births himself from the couch, you know, on it's always sunny, um, years, decades later, um, in a weird, weird way, Danny DeVito is this sort of, um, trollish answer to <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, yeah, yeah. like for that body type. Yeah. Like, Dick Van Dyke is such a—he's uh, one of the great physical comedians of all uh, of all time, um, you know, up there with like Charlie Chaplin. Just what he's able to do—he's just rubber. And um, Louis isn't exactly flexible, but like the moment where he just like falls asleep on the cab yeah. and just like slumps down, the timing of that is perfect. Even the way that uh, he like saunters before he starts singing, when he like just saunters over to the cab, yep. and he's just like luck, uh, like, and the way he like leans on it. The way he like positions his body is so light and airy, which mm-hmm. is so different from how he normally carries himself. Yeah. Which I think the energy also, Taxi's physicality is also how uh, other actors aren't as like weirdly lithe as Danny DeVito or like weirdly like graceful. This is one of the most aggressive shows physically. There are so many like there are so many comedy scenes that's them like full out running. Or mm-hmm. falling over. And it isn't like Dick Van Dyke trips and it's a ballet. You know, Jeff Conway or Tony Danza or Judd Hirsch does it. And it's it hurts. Like, it looks real yeah. and painful and sloppy. And that's a really, really specific taxi thing. There's um a, a, a scene that... Um... I don't know if you've gotten to it in your in your re- you probably have at this point in your rewatch, but yeah. the uh, when Alex ends up in the gay bar, yes, oh god, yes, uh, dancing and this just giant man yeah. is just like dancing, and it's it's magical, it's giant <laughs> it's like, John like, Good like John Goodman times two, <laughs> like yeah, he's a big dude, big tall guy with really tight pants dancing with Alex and twirling him uh, around. Judd Hirsch is yeah, is is basically like a rag doll and. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's wonderful disco stuff, and it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But it's um, man, wild wild show from a, from a physical perspective. And if, I mean, you look at the set; it's like I love how modular it is too. Um, yeah, 
They've got, uh, you know, they've got a card table where they're playing cards. They've got benches. They can move the stuff. They've got, you know, the cars that they can pull out and, you know, do things with, you know, Laka working on a car. It's one of the great sets. Like when you make a, a multicam set, it needs to be able. We talked about this in the Seinfeld episode, how like that episode takes place mostly in just like Jerry's parents' Florida apartment. And it's sure. like, how does it not feel that cramped? And it's like, well, because the couch is a set and the kitchen is a set. And like on Taxi, you have like. You know, where Latko works in the taxis is a set. Louise Cage is a set. The area in front of the cage next to, like, the cigarette machines is a set. And then, like, the stairs up to the office, you know, where the boss that we never see works there. They've got uh, a space in the back that they use as a bunker at one point. Yeah. So that's how it, like, really breaks it up. It's a a beautifully designed set. And the fact that there are, like, real cars in there also (laughs) adds, uh, I don't know, like, adds some uh, price value to it. And that that reminds me the this I mean this episode they even they pull the camera back which is something that they do in Cheers every once in a while and it's always really exciting when you see like that that fourth wall at Cheers yeah. when they when they reverse the camera um, you get to you get to see like the the bits of masking tape that are on the floor for the blocking and I guess like <laughs> they, usually the cameras are there yeah but like they needed to pull back so they could do the bit with the the cab going backwards out into the wall I just I love how dirty it is I just yeah. I, it's not it doesn't feel like TV dirty it feels like I mean I my family we own a garage and it's just it's a small family business and we are not you know uh, a dealership where it's even then like there's some you know oil spills on the floor and everything but they try to keep it you know pretty clean but like this is a garage that is worked in every single day and it's it's dirty it's everything is coated with a layer of dust when you go home your all of your clothes smell like motor oil yeah so like that's what that set feels like to me i was and, thinking about how when i rewatched friends i'm like oh it'd be so much fun to work on the show because you could like hang out on the couch and you know it looks so comfy and i was rewatching taxi you're watching taxi and i'm like I would not want to hang out on this set, like outside of like when I'd I'm do shooting. a set visit, like yeah. you mean take some pictures and stuff because that would be cool. But um, yeah, I don't want to hang out here. I don't want to work here. Um, it has giant car. Like it's definitely got to smell like a garage. It's uh, yeah, cars it's, in. it's like it's bar. It's you know, it, it reminds me of the Barney Miller set a bit, yeah. which is also really kind of dirty and musty looking, and even just like the quality of you know light is just kind of gray in there, and it's just it's not a fun place. But you've got these really colorful characters inhabiting it, and you're like this this makes it kind of you know worthwhile to to wake up every morning and go to work. At least you get to hang out with your friends. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, so like as Louie is falling asleep, Bobby goes up and is like, "Can Jim come work here?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> so then now we get scene three of three. Well, I guess and then there's a code at the end, but still like massive right. scene three of three, which is the driver's test scene, which is one of the most magical scenes of any show I can I've ever watched because every time I watch it, I end up laughing involuntarily uncontrollably. Sure. Even though I know it by heart now and all the jokes now, like I can see them coming a mile away, mm-hmm. but there's just something so pure about the joke. Like when Jim is sitting down, taking the test and it's, Psst. what does a yellow light mean? Slow down. Okay. What? <laughs> yellow light mean? Slow down. Okay. Whoa. 
so embarrassed. Bobby's like, slow down. And then, <laughs> what? Duh, and slower. And then they just re- keep repeating it over and over again. Mm. And usually by the third time, I will, I'm having, I'm having an out of body experience and I'm looking down like, oh, I'm laughing so hard at this. It just, just you're thinking about the day of filming and like them laughing because you know obviously <laughs> Mary Lou Henner and and uh, and and Tony Danza are just breaking character and and laughing hysterically. I, I love the look on like look on Bobby's face. He's just so uncomfortable. The way he He's like puts his lanky dude leather just... jacket over his head to like hide himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so great. And just like two yards away, you look at the you look at the woman who's sitting behind Jim, and she's like <laughs> kind of annoyed, and yeah. and you, the look on Jim's face, like, can I say it slower? Like, yeah. I don't know if I like, I'll try. It's and, such good. I noticed it this time. Like the look in Chris Christopher Lloyd's eyes when he's like doing that third repeat of it. It's like Jim is having an this weird existential crisis. Like there's a lot going on in his eyes there of just like uh uh what like he's he's like trying to decipher like what is happening to me it's so Mm -hmm. great um but even the bits before that which is the most iconic moment of the episode when he just gets the form and it's like eyes and then elaine has to stop him be like no no don't don't put two he doesn't well he doesn't know his last name he's got to fill out the name part he's like well what was your father's name give me a little help on this one you forgot your last name (laughs) i've been busy Oh, well, what was your father's name? Uh, Ignatowski. <laughs> well, maybe that's your name too. Sounds right. <laughs> like writes that down. The the eyes, but like, what color are my eyes? And then having everybody and uh, um, uh, Elaine is is like, well, we can rule out white. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's um, it's vaudeville. It's, yeah. Uh, this is this is this is old New York comedy as classic as it gets. Um, I love this. Is this, this is the stuff that comedy writers love writing and. <sighs> And it's, actors um, love performing, and that's why it's yes. so great. I love when he like he's he's exhausted. And he like turns around and he like rubs his eyes. And he's like, oh. "This is the most reading I've done in years." <laughs> My brown eyes hurt. It's <laughs> such a great joke. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, and then like Bobby's like, "Okay, well I'll help you. I'll just read the read it out loud to you." Is it what's your weight? <laughs> Wait, like, I'm like, it's all relative. It's um, all relative. Depends on if I'm on the moon or not. And, you know, Tony's like, hey, you're in outer space already. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, all of, all the stuff between Bobby and Jim is great. The, uh, oh, what, what is one of them? Like, have you ever had like what alcohol or narcotics? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, um, uh, mental dis- disorder, mental illness or narcotic addiction. Now that's a tough choice. <laughs> That's the. I think that's the best, like, dialogue joke. Yeah. Uh, you know, outside of um, you know, slow down. I think it's it's that's pretty great. Um, it's because and it's and it's you know it's a very easy joke, but it's like you want that joke. Like as the audience, you're like he's gonna say both. It's I mean it's it's the precursor yeah. to you know someone filling out the form like Austin Powers and sex. Yes, please. Yes, like please, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh. It's so great. But his but the delivery of it is is pitch perfect. I also I really, really like Jeff Conaway's performance in this episode. Uh I do feel I mean he leaves the show after season three. He was kind of a problem uh towards the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. And he shot himself in the foot a little bit, not literally, but like you could picture I was gonna it say, happening. I... <laughs> you could picture it. Uh he bailed on a couple of episodes somewhere in like season three, I think. And they just gave all of his lines to Tony Danza. And they're like, 
eh, yeah, it does work. He can do it. So they like mm-hmm. didn't feel a need to accommodate him and his, you know, his drug problems and I think all he of wanted that. to do like movies and stuff. Yeah, like it was, so he was it kind of like didn't work. Like, it was that role was very sort of autobiographical. Yeah. And it really bums me out because I really do like his performance, especially like this he's great in this episode. He's such an unlikely straight man because usually he's playing the the Mimbo. Like he's a pretty boy kind of dum dum, usually yep. <laughs> usually. And it's fun to see him interacting with Jim or like Jim brings out everyone's paternal instincts. And it's like, oh, Bobby has this side. So I like that they chose, you know, Bobby got to be the slow down. Like he got to be the other half of that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. You would think, you know, if I were, you know, if we had notes from the writer's room to, to go out and alone and just write this episode, I'd give Alex that yeah, part. Yeah, Alex or Elaine, like, you know, you could see either one of them doing that easily. Alex doesn't but, really do much in the test section. He just stands there. Really? Yeah, he's just kind of like, let's like, see how this goes. Yeah, he tosses a line every now and then, but like it's really the, you know, Bobby and Elaine and the gym show. But yeah, just seeing Bobby, you know, embarrassed is is <laughs> wonderful. And so that was that was a really inspired choice. And you, and, you know, yeah, you think about Jeff Conway in, in the series overall and just his swagger, like coming in and like fixing his hair and stuff. Yeah. It was sort of like I imagine on the set of Grease that they had to tell everybody else to just sort of like up the volume a bit <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, tone it down. and then for him tone it down <laughs> yeah. a little bit like we're doing a yeah. heightened thing and you know it's uh, you're gonna break some of the rules you learned in acting class but actually actually jeff why don't you tone it down just a little bit stop <laughs> shaking your head so much and yeah yeah uh i did want to point out like i looked this up like how did christopher lloyd not win an emmy for this episode he didn't but he did win the Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor in 82 and 83. Okay. So I guess it's the last two seasons of Taxi he won. And man, th- this I mean, this is a, a real great showcase episode, but he has, I mean, when we were talking about this, I said, yeah, let's do Taxi and um, let's do, I'd like to do a Reverend Jim episode. That was, that was sort of my one um, caveat that I want. I, I, of course, I talk about any any show you'd want, but like or any episode of Taxi or anything. You're but... coming back for step by step for sure. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I was like, um, I, there's something about Reverend Jim that's it's just really special to me. And you know, I, I had an uncle who um, was in Vietnam and did have some drug problems. He wasn't you know quite the burnout that uh, Reverend Jim is. Um, but like, there's something about that character and it's really poignant. Um, also just thinking about the writers and the, and, and the director like working on this because they knew guys that were sort of like this, like yeah. he was based on real people that they had met and like, maybe friends that they had before the, you know, the war. And then they came back and they weren't quite the same. Yeah. Um, but there's this great inherent, um, un- unassuming sweetness about, Jim Ignatowski and uh there are many episodes that will you know reduce you to tears like even weird things like him bringing a horse into his apartment filled with (laughs) doors um and this being his pet or like having you know I think it was one of the um short story they have these great anthology episodes yeah the season finale every year is an anthology there's the one with um all the tvs like Jim gets this great tv thing and 
they're just such a uh, you know like i said before like latka like a lot of people when they think of taxi just in general they think of latka and how you know cute he is and yeah. like the silly voice and stuff but like like we said you know he was more like uh, more of an imp like a mischievous character whereas jim was just pure earnest earnest very... and um you know, very selfless. Yeah. Um, he always enjoyed giving to other people. Um, and they would take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and I think of the, the one with, with him and Elaine and him taking apart his van. Right. And then making like a dollhouse for her yeah. or something, like rebuilding it in her apartment. And it's something that he, you know, he's not, he's not going to be like, oh, this is such a, dr- a dramatic thing that I'm doing. She's going to love me. It's just... I think Elaine will like this, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh. uh, so, like, he gets, you know, like we mentioned earlier, like, he, you know, he passes with flying-ish colors. He comes back, and Alex offers to be his first fare, uh, which, you know, you see it come a mile away. Like, he gets in, and he uh, immediately goes in reverse and backs up through the garage door. <laughs> so, like, Did I do that? Yeah, no, but there's a, but the button is that'll be 90 cents. Yeah, which is really great. Perfect. I also noticed that Cherry. they also, they go to slow motion for that wrecking scene. It's like slightly yeah. slower motion, mm-hmm. which which gives it a little bit more like dramatic heft. It's an action mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I also have- that, tr- That's a staple of that era, I think, of when, and like even like, just reference family matters there for anyone who doesn't yeah, recognize right. what we just did. Um, but like when, when Steve would crash into something, it would always be in slow motion yeah. for the just dramatic effect. I do have some trivia for this episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, it is, as I always say, it's very hard to find episode by episode ratings for television pre 19 like 88 or so but on average taxi was watched by 22.4 million people in its second season mm. so 22.4 million is a ton of people that's like more that's like walking dead uh monday night football numbers or something sunday night football oh. when it's football i don't know <laughs> <laughs> this podcast isn't about that um the weekly ranking I did well. I did find the weekly ranking. Uh, Three's Company was the number one show that week. Um, it was ranked number thirteen for the season, though. Taxi uh, was right below eight is enough that year. Man, man, yeah. <laughs> but it, it like it's gonna skyrocket from here. 
I think. Well, it's always weird. It wasn't a big ratings hit because it did get canceled by ABC after season four, and then NBC had to pick it up. Right, right. Uh, for season five. Well, they skyrocket in taxi terms. Right, yeah. <laughs> it, but it, like this, this isn't the the peak of its popularity. If... It did win the best comedy Emmy for I think its first three seasons, which is okay. wild to think about. Like. Mm-hmm. That th- like this season is one of the best seasons according to the Emmys. Like that's nuts uh, and great. That's well, um, you know recognition. Right. That's nice. Uh, for IMDb, um, so the rating for this episode, 133 users rated this episode of Taxi a 9.1. Would you go higher, lower, or do you think that's right on the money? 9.1. Yeah, for this episode. For out of like like all TV or like on the taxi scale, I don't know. I would no, I would say spot on nine point one. Okay, pretty good. Yeah, I would go nine point. I don't know. I would go like nine point three. Granular. Yeah, man, this is what I do. (laughs) This is Uh, what I do. Not not okay. Nine four then. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, and then lastly, uh. TV Guide ranked this episode number 63 on their list of 100 greatest episodes in 1997, and it bumped up to 51 in 2009. I think that's too low for it. Yeah, I do wonder. I need to get my hands on that list and maybe do... I don't know. That could be a fun, like... Well, that's like a two-year project. 100 episodes? I ain't going to do that. Jeez. Mm. (laughs) Forget that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would say this is higher than 51 like this isn't like tightly scripted tv even for like sitcom standards but just in terms of like joke for joke heart for heart like i think it's really strong it's a the 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 thing that i think separates taxi from cheers because i think that what you said was totally accurate and they are very very the dna is so similar it's like i can't think of a good metaphor so i'll just say what i mean uh Mm -hmm. it's the characters are are similar but they are being filtered through a totally different plot structure. Uh, they, I'm my theory is that Cheers invented the A plot, B plot, C plot sitcom structure that has become the norm for the past mm-hmm. thirty years. Mm-hmm. Whereas Taxi is a one act play every week, so yes. Cheers feels more ensemble to me because no matter what episode, you're getting a little bit of everyone, and they're all getting important like arcs, like ty- like. A big arc, a medium arc, or a small arc, but they're all getting stuff. Whereas Taxi is like passing the microphone at karaoke or whatever. You know, there's a gym episode, there's an Elaine episode, and since it's basically a one-act play, everyone else is only in that episode as much as they, you know, need to be. Yeah. Uh, like, you'll watch, and you'll be like, oh, like, I don't think Tony was in the last episode. That just, like, happens because of the way it's structured. Mm-hmm. Which, you but, know, I mean, one isn't better or worse, but... There are definitely Alex episodes. There are Louis episodes. Yeah. Everybody gets their own episodes that they get to be the star, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. But it does it does mean, like, it doesn't feel as camaraderie-y because you're not mm-hmm. getting a lot of them in every... Like, Cheers... You know, even if it's like a cliff episode, Carla's still like doing something like she's dealing with a, her kids being crazy or like her horrible hockey playing husband that dies in yep. a Zamboni accident or whatever. Um, so Taxi feels a little bit more, I don't know, uh, standalone in some ways for me. Okay. And I feel that. And I guess I feel that also more because the the cast changes up some too. Like I really do kind of miss Bobby when he goes away and 
And I, you know, I wish that, uh, like, Z- I wish Xena had joined the show. Yeah. <laughs> Rhea Perlman, because she's so great in this. Really good. Very uh, different wish... character yeah. than she plays on Cheers. I wish we'd gotten a lot more Carol Kane mm-hmm. uh, earlier on. Um, but I do wonder what Taxi would have felt like if they had done that A plot, B plot, C plot structure and how it would uh, have there's, fared. I mean, I, obviously, I love both shows, but right. I, you know, I, I love, I do love how grungy Taxi is, like how like uncoordinated and yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very much like, you know, they introduce the A plot and then that's everyone's obsession through the entire episode. Like Louie's going on a date and like we follow him on the date and then yeah. we see the fallout from the date. Louie goes out on a date with Nardo and that's the whole episode and it's about those two. Yeah. It's um, also harder to like, I've now written a couple of sitcom pilots and for mm-hmm. myself, they are not going anywhere. Ugh. Um, unless anyone's listening, and wants to make them happen. Uh, and that seems like it's so much harder to do what they're doing. I mean, part of me wonders if the three act, if the three plot thing was invented just as a way to write episodes easier. Because if you know, like, okay, these are the like three things that are happening in this episode. You know, like Act One got to hit all three of them. Act Two got it. It's kind of writes itself in a way. I mean, and it's it's weird because again, this this is Glenn and Les Charles writing this particular episode, yeah. and. I mean, you can bounce a dime off the pilot of Cheers. It's right. like one of the perfect scripts ever, and I could talk about that one for hours. I could do the I could do the Cheers pilot minute um, <laughs> podcast where you just talk or break it down by ten seconds or something. Um, that's a perfect except for the lady in the wheelchair. How does she get down those stairs? <laughs> just between scenes, it's bizarre. But anyways, the, this but this is so rough and tumble, and so right. the opposite of that. Like if you if you throw a dime at this, it's going to absorb it and it's going to spit it out somewhere else, and you're not you're, you're going to hear it clank on well, the floor, like but a, you're not going to know where it is. You'll get like so a it's under the rat back. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's very different. But like the the thing that that you know um, links them is just like super charming characters um, that are not perfect, and you know. Um, but we still love them. We're not told to hate them. Even Louie, like, yeah. like Louie is a terrible person, but like we're often reminded that he's a human being and um, that there's some silver lining to him. And so I just, I love, I, I'll take this, I'll take Taxi and Cheers over Seinfeld any day. Whoa. Uh, because there is a beating heart to this and hundred percent Seinfeld while I, I loved it when it, when it was on, I've since sort of like cooled on it because it's so cynical. Yeah. Um, and this, this is something that that's so warm, even though, and it's, it's not glossing over anything. I mean, like we said, it's dirty, it's filthy, um, but it still has a heart about it. And that's, that's why I I keep coming back to these shows. Right. Uh, this is going to be a probably a no-brainer question, but um, as I ask in every episode, who would you say had the, has the must-see performance in this episode? Who's the mm. who's the MVP, the MSP? Mm. Now, usually it's Jeff, the character of yeah. Jeff, and something he does in the cage, or the, or the unseen cockroach. But uh, now it's this going to go to Christopher Lloyd? Uh, yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, I think the the more interesting is like who gets runner up in this. I mean, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Danny DeVito, yeah, absolutely. Who comes then, in third? That's Jeff Conway. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, and then it's all kind of it's all tie. A tie that. after that, yeah. Um, and then lastly, would you say is this a um, 
must other people see this episode? Would you say this yes. is a must-see episode of television? Yes. Uh, yep. No argument from me there. <laughs> it's about as quintessential as it gets. This is another one of, like, I'm... Part of the reason I do this show is to keep beating the drum for the genius of multicam sitcoms. I mean, did you notice the laugh track at all while watching this? Like, I don't. When you watch an episode of a perfect multicam episode where, like, it's genuinely funny, you don't notice it. Sometimes I do. Or you, like, it's not bothering you. Like, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> the, inter- the interesting thing with Taxi is you're listening for uh, Jim's, uh, Jim Burroughs' laugh because he has this, ha, ah, ah, yeah. like this honking <laughs> laugh. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I, I looked that up one time. I was like, someone has to have written about this. Like, who is that dude who's in so many of the laugh tracks making this honking laugh? And I was like, oh, that's Jim Burroughs. Yeah, it's it's such a perfect example of a multicam show because I can't imagine a single cam show being able to do you know a weird garage dance number and then following into the energy of that like DMV scene and yeah, getting it exactly. the same way. This is why multicam shows work is because they're they're partly stage play, they're partly theater, and the you know the longer shots, the wider angles like that makes it feel you know come alive in this really unique way and think this episode is a perfect example of that that dmv scene alone is a perfect example of that and i was i was about to say like can you imagine a, sh- a show in in 2017 like just stopping to do like a musical number and i'm like actually yeah you can because it's totally come around again yeah that we're doing that that we're a bunch of musical nerds and yeah. <laughs> we actually crave those we're like when is the flash gonna have a musical episode you know whatever <laughs> Um, and, and sitcoms as well. But I, yeah, I, I've always loved just the earnestness about it. They're never embarrassed to do anything. Um, they, they love what they love and uh, wear their hearts on their sleeves. And, and that's my kind of comedy. Ditto. So thank you so much, Paul, for coming <laughs> out and talking all things taxi. Uh, so much fun. Where can people reach out to you if they have questions about our Reverend Jim and our Lord and Savior, Ignatowski? <laughs> Oh, and, and by the way, that would be my dream if someone just randomly tweeted me. and was like, what do you think about what is the second best episode? Um, <laughs> no, uh, so I'm a fuzzy typewriter, all one word on Twitter. And that is also the name of my podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Uh, Brett came on for an episode to talk about the S-Town podcast from yeah. the makers of Serial and This American Life. And um, that was really great. We've got some great feedback on that. So thank a you for, for doing that. A lot less funny. A lot less funny. But uh, yeah, we we crack some jokes, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, but, uh, that, that was really fun. And, um, you know, so usually we talk about, um, story, storytellers, art and artists. So, uh, not always, always funny stuff, but sometimes the big popcorn movies, sometimes more dramatic things, but yeah, all our favorite entertainment. We love getting, getting granular about our, about our TV. Yes. And that is of course what I love as well. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest Paul Montgomery for dropping by and talking about Taxi with me. Next week on the show, I will be discussing the Mary Tyler Moore Show episode, Put on a Happy Face. Put on a Happy Face is in Season 3. It is Episode 23. And hooray, you can actually stream the Mary Tyler Moore Show on a number of platforms. So you can find Put on a Happy Face on Hulu. You can also find it on iTunes and Amazon. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at at MustHaveSeenTV. If you like what you've heard, please, please rate and review Must Have Seen TV in iTunes. I want to thank Just One Me 
for leaving a review in iTunes. I also want to apologize for being so hard on Perfect Strangers. That episode was crazy, though, so maybe I'm not apologizing. But seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review. If you want me to thank you on the podcast for leaving a review, then leave a review in iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. You can read all the words I write about TV and other things at thecider.com. You can check out my sitcom t-shirts and stickers at tpublic.com slash user slash Brett White. The theme song for the show is Patricia's Moving Picture by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Thanks to you for listening, and I'll see y'all next week on Must Have Seen TV. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.